Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on heaven. So this is why Jesus calls the lost and weary to his everlasting salvation with his promise of eternal forgiveness, mercy, grace, and love. That where I am, there you may be also, from John 14.3. So the Bible doesn't answer all our questions about heaven. But it certainly assures us that heaven will be a place of perfect peace and rest. The Bible says they will rest from their labor, from Revelations 14.13. Heaven is a place more wonderful than we can ever imagine. It's a place of joy and beauty, of peace and happiness that will never end. Why? Because heaven is also a place where there will be no sin or suffering, no sorrow or pain. It is a place where there will be no quarrels or disagreements, no disappointments or weeping, because there will be nothing there to make us sad. And in heaven, we will never do anything to displease God. We will then know perfect joy. Psalm 1611 says, In thy presence, in fullness of joy, in thy right hand, there are pleasures forever. Everything that now makes us groan will finally be done away with, and we will find ourselves in the very presence of God, where the purest and truest kind of joy is possible. In heaven, we will also have a perfect knowledge. The Bible says, Then shall I know even as also I am known, from 1 Corinthians 13:12. We will have no more unanswered questions, no confusion, no ignorance, and no more need to walk by faith rather than by sight. We will live in perfect comfort. We will love God perfectly and will be loved perfectly by Him. His love will engulf us forever. Stated simply, heaven is a place of perfect joy forever. Think of it. We will be perfectly free from evil forever. We will be set free from captivity to sin, and finally able to do that which is absolutely righteous, holy, and perfect before God. With sin and its effects erased forever, the promise of heaven is an everlasting life of unimaginable blessing. So how good do you have to be to get into heaven? So most people understand that doing evil can keep us out of heaven. But few realize the Bible also teaches that doing good cannot get us in. None of us could ever gain enough merit to deserve heaven. We are sinful, and God's standard is utter perfection. Jesus said, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes of the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, from Matthew 5.20. He also added, You are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect, from Matthew 5.48. So who then can go to heaven? Who can be saved? So Jesus' disciples asked him this same question from Matthew 19.25, and his answer, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible, from Matthew 19.26. In other words, being saved so that we can go to heaven is not something we can accomplish. It's something God must do for us. So no matter how hard we try, We can never stop sinning because we are hopelessly in bondage to sin. So the Bible tells us even our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked from Jeremiah 17.9. So in other words, we are sinful to the core. Furthermore, even a single sin would be enough to destroy us forever. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all from James 2.10. Be it even if we never sin from now on, 
we would still be guilty of our past sins. And as the Bible says, the wages of sin is death, from Romans 6.23. But the good news is that God has provided a way to free us from the guilt of sin. So when God forgives, he cannot merely overlook sin. Full payment, atonement, must be made for our sin. Christ's death made full atonement for those who trust him. And if we believe in him, his dying counts in our steed paying for sins in full. The Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, from 1 John 1, 7. It is only through the blood of Christ that we can ever be cleansed from the terrible guilt of sin. But that only erases the guilt of sin. We still need perfect righteousness in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, from Matthew 5.20. So where do we get perfect righteousness? If you truly believe in him, the full merit of Jesus' own righteousness is credited to you, to all those who trust him alone for salvation. The Bible teaches that God justifies the ungodly by reckoning or crediting Christ's righteousness to them. Believers are clothed in his righteousness, and God accepts them solely and exclusively on that basis. That's why the Apostle Paul was willing to discard all his own efforts to earn God's favor, preferring instead to stand before God robed in righteousness and was not his own, from Philippians 3, 8, and 9. If you are not a Christian, you need to lay hold of this truth by faith. The sin that will keep you out of heaven has no cure but the blood of Christ. If you are weary of your sin and exhausted from the load of your guilt, you, he tenderly holds forth the offer of life and forgiveness and eternal rest to you. Come into me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. From Matthew 11:28. So the Bible promises that no one who believes in Christ will be turned away. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out from John 6.37. In the closing words of the Bible, Christ invites all to come to him and receive the promise of heaven. Let him that heareth come, and let him that is athirst come. And whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. From Revelations 22.17. So next, I want to tell you a story from the Bible. It's about Enoch. The Enoch, the man who walked to heaven. Enoch was born not very long after God had created the earth. In fact, when Enoch was born, Adam, the first man, was still alive. Enoch was a very special guy. He wasn't special because he was super smart or because he had lots of stuff or because he was a really nice guy. No, those things don't matter much to God at all. Enoch was so special to God because he knew God. He was close to God, he walked with God, and God liked that a lot. Because Enoch was God's friend and companion, he didn't need to know where he would go or what he would do tomorrow. He didn't need to know where God was taking him. He was just happy to be God's friend. Even though God was in heaven and Enoch was on earth, that didn't stop Enoch from being close to God. Even though Enoch couldn't touch God with his earth hands or see God with his earth eyes, that didn't stop Enoch from walking with God. He was close to God with his heart and with his mind and with his spirit. When Enoch woke up in the morning, he didn't think about all the fun things he wanted to do today. He thought only about what God wanted, and he talked to God. Good morning, God. What are you thinking about today? What would make you happy today? And when Enoch walked through the town during the day, he didn't think, hey, that guy has a nice house or that person has lots of fun things. I wish I had things like that. 
Instead, he thought, all these things I am seeing with my earth eyes are just around for a little while. But God, you are unseen. What else is unseen? What do you see, God? I love you so much, and I love everything about you. I want to see what you see. And because Enoch lived his life like that, talking to God all throughout the day about everything that happened, Enoch started to deeply know God. And as Enoch and God became closer and closer friends, God changed what Enoch could see. Enoch started to see not just the seen world, but the unseen world too. Now when Enoch walked through the town, he didn't just see people and houses and stuff. He could actually see that there was a whole different world, an invisible world right in front of him. Most people cannot see this invisible, unseen world, but Enoch could because he saw with heaven eyes. Every day as Enoch walked and talked with God, Enoch and God became really good friends. They talked together all the time. So one day as Enoch was walking along, talking with God and enjoying his company, God said, Hey Enoch, just come on up here. Let's finish the conversation face to face. I really want you to come up here and be with me in heaven right now. Well Enoch sure liked the sound of that. So poof, Enoch disappeared to the human eye. But to heaven's eyes, he was right there where he belonged. Nope, he didn't die. God just liked Enoch so much that he took Enoch to come be with him. And now happy, happy, happy Enoch would get to be with God in heaven forever and ever. I want to be that kind of friend to God, just like Enoch was, don't you? So next I want to introduce the song, Just Like in Heaven by Tommy Walker. And here it is. Oh, 
Hey, what a great song by Tommy Walker. And here's what he said regarding this song. He said, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, from Matthew 6.10. So when we worship God here on earth, we engage in one of the main activities of heaven right here in this broken world. God's kingdom comes close as we bless, affirm, and adore him. His peace, love, joy, and unity are experienced as we declare and proclaim His holiness, goodness, beauty, and ultimate eternal reign. My prayer is that when we sing this song and sense God's nearness, more and more of His will will be done here on earth just like in heaven. And from Revelations 512 12-14, And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seal and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and of the living being and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. And from Revelations 4, 8-11, Day after day and night after night they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Face it, the day we step into eternity may come sooner than we think. In preparation for that moment, we need to know this truth. Not everyone is going to heaven. How can we know for sure that we are going to heaven? Some 2,000 years ago, the apostles Peter and John were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to a large crowd in Jerusalem. Peter made a profound statement that resonates even in our postmodern world. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved from Acts 4.12. So now as then, Acts 4.12 is not politically correct. Today, it's popular to say everyone's going to heaven, or all paths lead to heaven. There are many who think they can have heaven without having Jesus. They want the glory, but they don't want to be bothered by the cross, much less the one who died there. Many don't want to accept Jesus as only the way of going to heaven and are determined to find another path. But Jesus warns us that no other path exists and that the consequence of rejecting the truth is an eternity in hell. He told us that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him, from John 3.36. Faith in Christ is the key to going to heaven. Some will argue that it's extremely narrow-minded of God to provide only one way to heaven. But frankly, in light of mankind's rebellion against God, it's extremely broad-minded for him to provide us with any way to heaven. We deserve judgment, but God gives us the way of escape by sending his one and only Son to die for our sins. Whether someone sees this as narrow or broad, it's the truth. The good news is that Jesus died and rose again. Those who are going to heaven have received this gospel by faith. Many people today hold to a watered-down gospel that does away with the need of repentance. They want to believe in a loving, non-judgmental God who never mentions sin and who requires no change in their lifestyle. They may say things like, My God would never send a person to hell, but Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven, and he presented himself as a Savior who offers the only means of going to heaven. 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. From John 14.6 Who will actually enter God's kingdom? How can I guarantee that I'm going to heaven? The Bible makes a clear distinction between those who have eternal life and those who do not. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life from 1 John 5.12. It all goes back to faith. Those who believe in Christ are made the children of God. Those who accept Jesus sacrifices as the payment for their sins and who believes in his resurrection are going to heaven. Those who reject Christ are not. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. As awesome as heaven will be for those who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, hell will be that much more awful for those who reject him. One cannot read the Bible seriously without seeing it over and over again. The line is drawn. The Bible says there is one and only one way to heaven, Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus' command. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it, from Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Faith in Jesus is the one means of going to heaven. Those who have faith are guaranteed to get there. So do you trust in Jesus? So next is an article from Donna Lee Tony, called Billy Graham Thoughts on the Promise of Heaven. If you could ask Billy Graham a question, what would it be? I had that opportunity while working with him on his last several books, including his book, Where I Am. Weeks before his 95th birthday, he said, I am ready to start my next book. We had recently completed work on his book, The Reason for My Hope, Salvation. It was the fall of 2013, thinking he would want a break from going through drafts and another manuscript. I was stunned at his drive and asked, Would you like to take a little break and start work on a new book after Christmas? No, he said. I may not be here next year. Oh, but he was, and still is. Nearly two years later, at almost 97 years old, his 33rd book will be released. He had remarked about the contemporary books that had been written on heaven and hell. There was still a book he wanted to write on this subject because, he said, Many people today do not understand the fundamental truths about mankind's eternal destinations and that each person has a choice to make concerning the most critical matter of life, where they will spend eternity after death. Mr. Graham, I replied, you have written and preached on heaven and hell for nearly 80 years. Well, he quipped, I don't feel quite that old. In spite of his weak eyesight, he said with a twinkle, I just may live until my 100th birthday. The more I listen to the news of what is going on in this world and in the church, there is a great confusion about the end times. Some people wonder how to get to heaven. Others don't seem to care if they wind up in hell. God has a lot to say about this, and he has not kept his promises hidden. But few pastors preach on it today. I would like to shed some light on what the Bible has to say about the subject of eternity for today's generation. He asked me to assemble an outline from which we could work and ended the meeting with this thought. Do it quickly because I'm an old man, he said with a sense of grand revival in his voice. 
Before I left that day, I posed this question. When people ask if heaven is a literal place and where it is, what will you tell them? Looking through the window that framed this beautiful Carolina mountain surrounding his home, he proclaimed, Of course heaven is real, because Jesus is real. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And heaven is where Jesus is, and I'm going to him soon. In our several visits, we talked about the wonderful aspects of a heavenly home and the devastating darkness of those who will never know such joy. He wished he could take all those who do not believe in the Savior to the foot of his cross where they could settle their eternal destination once and for all and have the hope of eternity in heaven. Who would not want to be where Jesus is? He's preparing a place for those who love and serve him now. Jesus has filled this place with the riches of his eternal truth and everlasting righteousness where the fruits of his works will be forever glorified. Pouring through his literary works that span nearly eight decades, a fascinating outline emerged, and in time, the book Where I Am was completed. With foundational teaching from the Word of Almighty God, it is not surprising that all 66 books of the Bible point to an everlasting life. It is a repetitive theme of Scripture. While Mr. Graham's preaching was the gospel's message of Jesus Christ, his evangelistic aim was to focus the light of salvation on eternity, where the human race will be transcend the confines of a fallen world. The man who wants to be remembered as a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has said, Man is precisely what the Bible says he is. Human nature is behaving exactly as the Bible said it would. The course of human events is flowing just as Christ predicted, and God's word is real, from eternity past to eternity everlasting. This is the essence of his book, Where I Am. God's word is eternal, and eternity's destination will last forever. He has declared that mankind can choose the eternal flame of his judgment and live forever in his everlasting peace. The good news is that God sends out a booming invitation that says, Return to me, come and share my eternal home, and be with me where I am. That is heaven. That is home eternal. Who would not want to be where Jesus is? He is preparing a place for those who love and serve him now. Jesus has filled this place with the riches of his eternal truth and everlasting righteousness, where the fruits of his works will be forever glorified. There will be continual rejoicing over his eternal wisdom. The Bible proclaims that he will praise him continually and serve him unending before his eternal throne when he reigns eternally. In this book, Billy Graham points to God's eternal deliverance, God's eternal sacrifice, and God's eternal love and joy. There are the anchors of the heart of Mr. Graham's sermons that have drawn millions of people to their hour of decision. The everlasting gospel that is washed in his eternal love will be proclaimed until the end. When that day arrives, eternity will come clearly into view. Mankind throughout the ages will witness the eternal kingdom and the everlasting king on his throne forever. This is why Jesus calls the lost and weary to his everlasting salvation with the promise of eternal forgiveness, mercy, grace, and love. That where I am... There you may be also, from John 14.3. So I am going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham on heaven. And here it is. I know I'm going to heaven 
I'm looking forward to it with great anticipation because of what Jesus did on that cross. He died for us, but he was raised by God. I've found during the latter years of my life, when I've had sicknesses and been in the hospital and so forth, there's a peace that just resides there and stays there that I cannot explain. We all die. I'm not going to escape it. I don't want to escape it. I want to go. The vast majority of my life has already been lived. My record has already been made. I don't have very much longer. I know that. Some of my closest friends and relatives, and especially my wife, are already in heaven. And because of the hope we have in Jesus, we can all be in heaven someday forever. A radical change must take place before you can get into heaven, before you can be accepted by God. You say, well, what do I have to do? You must repent of sin. You repent and you believe. Believe in Christ and you receive him in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, come in and he'll come in. You don't have long. You'll be in eternity and the decision you make tonight may decide where you'll be. And anybody can believe, a blind man can believe, a deaf man can believe, an old person can believe, a young person can believe. And that word believe means commit. I commit my life totally to Him. So that does bring an end of our episode today. And my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with Him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on With God, You Can Handle Anything. Hey, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Life for free. So I hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week.